Hey everyone, this is Jason. Before we get into the episode introduction, we want to let you know how you can get in touch with us if you've got questions, comments, or suggestions. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for Sheep Out of Water. You know you found us when you see our logo. Feel free to send us a direct message on any of those social media platforms. You can also email us at sheepoutofwaterpodcast at gmail.com. All right, on to the intro. This week, we explore how not to lead, whether or not Jesus is a Zen hippie, Chris breaks out another accent, and I share one of my major objections to Jesus during my time as an atheist. We're using the following scripture passages as the basis of this week's conversation. Jeremiah chapter 38, verses 4 through 6 and 8 through 10, Psalm 40, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 4, and the Gospel of Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 53. We hope you enjoy this episode of Sheep Out of Water. And here we are. Welcome, everybody. Episode five of Sheep Out of Water. Chris, how are you? I'm doing all right. As you know, in personal life, there's always some challenges, but I'm just praising the Lord. As St. Paul says, praise (laughs) the Lord in all things. So that's what I'm doing. You're impressive. So we were in a text stream together and, and complaining about something. And so I'm aware of what Chris is referencing. We won't, we won't go into details, but I, I just want to give Chris some compliments because I think my reaction to what was happening was I'd say less than positive. And so were the other two people in our, our, our chat group. And, and Chris jumped in there. Who's also not positive about the situation, but he dropped in a little serenity prayer, prayer on us and, and reset the group. So. That was after I bummed a cigarette off the guy down the hall. (laughs) I don't smoke, but today I smoked. Today he does. Today he does. I had to take us. We have a uh, cemetery out behind our workplace. You don't see it. It's covered by pine trees and all sorts of stuff, but it makes an incredible place just to get away from work or life when you just need five or 10 minutes away. You go around those those trees and you're in a cemetery and you're like, yeah, someday I'm going to be here. So get my stuff figured out. So, so you're you're in a cemetery, bumming a cigarette, having a smoke. That's uh, that's a that's a pl- that's a place today. That's a place. I'm telling you, it it puts <laughs> things in perspective. You're out there. You're like, yeah, there's just bigger things to life. I mean, these are some pretty big things, but all of us are going to be here one day. So it does put things in perspective. It. it does put things in perspective. But we'll, we'll we'll jump into our our topics tonight. Um, so I sent. Chris a message earlier this week or today or whenever that was. And I said, Hey, I, I think we've got to lead with, with what Jesus is, is, is rapping about this week. He, he's not messing around this week. So I'm, I'm going to jump right to the gospel of Luke um, because it's one of those gospels that I, I, I can't, I, and I think we've touched on this before, but I, I have trouble dealing with this this notion that that Jesus is always this just zen kind of peace everybody's cool man kind of thing you know I don't know if anybody's seen like the 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 hippie Jesus you know with his thumbs up and winking at everybody and and I get it it's it's kind of funny in some ways but um you read the gospel and and that's not 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 who I think he was in, in a lot of ways and and this is is one of them so um, he, I'll just start with this line. 
What verse are we at first? Oh, we are at it's Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 53. And he says this, I have come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. I imagine that's going to be harsh to people when they read it. Um, but I was thinking about this and this is my, my first thought. And then I'll let you say what you want to say, I guess, my man, but, um, it comes across harsh, but then if you look at the world we're living in today, I don't think it's harsh. I I think it's a, a great act of love because he knows, he knows that we're distracted with all kinds of things. He knows our faults. He knows where we're struggling and and we're not focusing on the right things. And he knows that we're not treating each other the right way. And he's got to get our attention. And the truth does that if it, if it's real in, in certain situations. And I think this is one of them. And that's to me, how I flip this to a positive uh, really is that he's not pulling any punches. Hey, I'm getting your attention. I've not come to, to make peace in a lot of ways. I've come to set things on fire. So. Yeah, there, there's a uh, Dominican sister that I remember. She was um, she started a few different Dominican communities. Actually, last I heard, she had started one in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Can't remember her name, Mother Something, but uh, we were at a focus conference one time, Fellowship of Catholic University students, and she tore it up, man. She had this verse, and it's not like we were all at Mass and Sister was preaching. No, no, no. She had her whole two hour thing just to herself. And she pulls out this gospel and she says, I have, and she has this awesome Southern accent. I have come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. <laughs> so she gets us all into it, you know, and she, she was an incredible preacher and Dominicans are known uh, for the preaching. And she says, Oh, isn't that just what we want Jesus to do? Set this world on fire. When you think about all the prostitutes and all of those people living these terrible lives, selling their bodies, don't you just want to set that life on fire? And everybody kind of clapped. And she said, and then what about the drug dealers? Yes, we are going to set that world on fire. And all of us clapped, but a little less because she kept talking about setting things on fire. (laughs) What you doing, sister? And then finally she gets to the abortion clinics and she says, and think about all those abortion clinics. Jesus wants us to set ablaze this world. And nobody clapped because it's like, okay, now you're getting like to the point where people get arrested for stuff like this. Right. And she said, there's this very long pregnant pause. And she looked at everyone. She said, is that really what Jesus wants for us to burn and kill people? No. Jesus wants you to set this world on fire with his love. Oh my gosh. I mean, she had us melting goosebumps all over the place because she was right. She took this gospel and did not discount what Jesus was saying. You know, he wants to purify it, set it ablaze, purify it, burn down all that's wrong, but to do it with his love, which is the sacrificial love. And that's kind of the direction she took. And talked about how it just wasn't going to be easy because some people aren't willing to accept your sacrifices. Some people aren't willing to make that sacrifice. And so you come to the, the 60-40 rule, uh, rule here in the gospel, which is two against three, three against two. Yeah. Where you're going to have some of your family divided. Father against son. I hate to hear that. It breaks my heart. 
and mother against daughter. And you have the mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. It's kind of where that old joke comes from, but it's no joke. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't with my wife and my mother. Um, but the, the call to love in the midst of all that, and it's a purifying love. Can yeah, I keep I going? Oh, I please. No, go for it. Because it, it relates to what we were talking about as we started it out. I said I bummed a cigarette, right? So that's the the human, the worldly side of me. It's just like, I just need 10 minutes to think some of this stuff through. Well, we won't talk about who Jason and I are talking about, but someone who's caused trouble uh, for our family before and uh, caused it extensively, cost a lot of money uh, when dealing with this person. So here we are up against being uh, in a situation where it's going to cost us more money. So I came home and my wife is, was upset, rightly so. And she was blasting praise and worship music, Christian music, Matt Maher all over the place, the, the house. And right away, so she, she helped pull me out of it. And I just imagine as we were all eating dinner, this person's face and me making a huge poster like a six by eight poster, putting it on my bedroom wall, blasting Christian music, singing as loud as I could, praising the Lord despite all of the garbage that's happening and praying for that person and offering all, because they don't like God. I don't think they're an atheist in terms of like, they don't believe, they just don't have any desire for him, which as you and I have discussed one or the other, but that lukewarmness, it's like, Jesus, just puke it from your mouth, be done with it. So I thought, I'm just going to beat the heck out of this guy. I'm going to set him ablaze with my singing. Even if it's just mentally, I poster of his face, and I'm just going to praise the Lord because the devil's trying to get us down. devil's trying to work through him. Now the devil's mad that we're praising him, and I'll probably get kicked in the, in the rump because I'm <laughs> making fun of the devil as I'm praising God. But it's part of that purifying, burning fire of love. I'm done. No, that's, uh, I mean, that's the trials of life, right? When we, we face these situations and, and we have a choice, we have free will on how we react and, and we can get burdened down with, with despair and anger and all these things that aren't really productive and really, like you said, and not what Jesus is calling us to do in this. He's getting our attention with this language very clear. Um, and he's also, he's pointed to this truth that when you, when you try to live this way, which is really difficult, it, it's hard for people to accept. It's hard sometimes for yourself to accept and it, it may cause division. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, no, I, it, it's, I appreciate you sharing, you know, the details here. Cause it's, you know, I think sometimes when at least for me, when, when I'm listening to, to people on, on podcasts or interviews or whatever, you get this picture uh, of people and, and, you know, you don't know them very well, obviously. And, and it's rare where you hear kind of those low moments and how people deal with them. Mm. Um, and, and it's real. And, the, and I think that's what we've talked about with this show is that, you know, we're just like everybody else. So we're going to be facing these challenges and uh, so I just appreciate you sharing that and especially the way uh, you all reacted. And uh, it's a good example, I think, tying to this gospel. So appreciate Thanks. that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. 
All right. <laughs> you said you had some notes on that gospel too. I, I do. Well, and you know, going back to the language of, of setting things on fire and blazing and um, one then too, like, I think my frustration with, with the, the beige church, if you will, I, mm. you know, I wanted to bring up, and this came up too, that, you know, this, this was probably my major objection with Jesus and my, my, my idea of who Jesus was uh, when I was an atheist because I, I've been inundated with kind of that that filtered down, watered down version of him and and not really been focused on these moments where he, he's not filtered down and he's he's kind of in your face uh, in, a, in a real way. Um, and that's, I, I probably sat like that with that impression for years when all I had to do was open up the Bible or, or talk to somebody, but that, that's where I was. So I, I I think about how powerful that, I guess, falsehood about him is and how prevalent it still is. Mm-hmm. And I think our culture today, in a lot of ways, looks at him that way, doesn't look at him at all. You know, they don't want to think about him. They don't believe that he existed or whatever, however you want to put it. Um, and that's, that's what we're facing in a lot of ways. So that 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 whole thought process kind of came to mind and how long I sat in that, that false understanding of, of Jesus really, you know, and, and it didn't, I'll be honest, like it didn't speak to me as a man, you know, as a young man, or at least somebody trying to become a man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It it just, it it just, it's like, it's not helping me. And, and, you know, like the moments you shared, like you're, you're angry. Well, you know, the, the, Hey man, everything's cool. Peace, love, hope, all that kind of stuff, which is good, but it's, it doesn't help you when you're fired up about something, you know, no, it, can. it doesn't address reality because right. apart from the spiritual side of this and the theological side of this, there's a very philosophical and physiological side of this saying peace and love and all that's not going to work because my adrenaline is firing right now. And it's going to be stuck in my system for the next 45 minutes, get me all worked up. So right. the, it's kind of like you're saying like that if you're in a divided mood attack the dividedness right right yeah exactly and it's and you get stuck there like it's not the answer so okay that's not helping me in those moments so here we are stuck with that you know so i I think of other solutions and other ideas you know um which didn't wind up working for so one of our producers just walked in the big wave (laughs) <laughs> checking to make um, sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing that's right that's right checking in making sure that, that the show is 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 going on so uh, awesome so that 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 was something that popped out and and um so I, I i try to share you know these moments with folks about you know how real he can be and, and how in your face he can be in a good way right like he um so i think it's important um and I like what I, you said too about, you know, it didn't speak to you. So when you were an atheist, even if you had heard the gospel or you had broken open the Bible, uh, that lovey-dovey Jesus is not speaking to you as a young man because that's not what speaks to young men. Right. Especially at that point of formation in your lives. It's not speaking to the warrior. It's not speaking to the athlete. It's not speaking to the ambitious young man seeking his place in the world uh, to establish a family to all of those things that that are so tied up in our dna uh, 
don't exactly fit uh, or dovetail, I guess, with the hundred percent all the time. Lovey dovey Jesus. Right. Right. And, and the other part of, you know, we, we've kind of been focusing on, on, you know, how men can relate to Jesus here and, and uh, you know, <laughs> you know, you hear that tox, to, toxic masculinity <laughs> thing. Right. Um, and, and, you know, there's truth to that to an extent, right? Like, yeah. When, when men don't know how to react to the, the, the masculinity that, that, that is in them physically and, and the emotions that are in them and how it, it typically, um, shows up as, as a man, like, yeah, that can be very toxic and, and it, it is very regularly, but I think, in, in many ways, our culture has tried to, and, and successfully in some ways, eliminate it completely. And the sad thing is, is that's impossible because we're made with this. So rather than trying to figure out and embrace positive aspects of developing masculinity, we've tried to get rid of it into a, a huge detrimental effect. And, and go, go ahead. You you got something I can tell. Yeah. I can see it. <laughs> I can see it. My face is burning. I can see it's, it's there. Go, go. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying, in a sense, it's that baby in the bathwater thing, right? Right. So if toxic masculinity is a real thing, don't get rid of masculinity. Just get rid of the toxic. Right. And bring back the healthy masculinity so we that we have a healthy femininity, a healthy masculinity, and those two obviously are complementary and can help bring a little more balance to this divided society that we're in. And I don't know if you're done with the gospel, but just to no, no, I got more. Throw a pitch you go for there. it. Okay. I'm just going to throw a pitch. <laughs> then we'll hit a bit later to the first reading with King Zedekiah, you know, and talk about a guy who just has no direction in life and no real strength, no, healthy masculinity that he's just pushed with every wind that blows and he suffers horribly because of it. And sorry, I know I am glad that you brought that up because I did not make that connection whatsoever. I even wrote down, I said, Hey, question for Chris, how do we interpret this passage in light of God's revelation through Jesus? And, and we're talking about Jeremiah 38, uh, four through six, eight through 10, by the way. And we're hopping there because I love this connection that you just made. Um, I could, I was frustrated with, with the King, but I'm like, okay, I, I just had trouble seeing this connection. And I hadn't even thought about toxic masculinity when I've been reading through this this week, by the way, it just kind of came up in our conversation. So maybe this is the Holy spirit working, but yeah, like he's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, yeah, he's, he's frustrating. So how's, but how's this tying in? I, I think you've made a cool connection. Right. And we only hear part of the, that first reading because you can't put the whole thing. You don't have time for that on a Sunday, but uh, it, you know, that what it says there in the, the first line, the people that are going to King Zedekiah are basically saying to him, to, to the King, you know, by him, he's demoralizing the people by speaking such things to them. He's not interested in the welfare of our people, but in their ruin. He says he's, he's demoralizing the soldiers who are left in the city. But unless you ask, well, what is Jeremiah actually saying? You don't really know from this scripture. And what he's saying is the word of the Lord. So the Lord has been saying to Jeremiah to say to the people, get out. You've been unfaithful. The city is going to fall. No ifs, ands, 
or butts about it, get out. If you don't get out, you're going to suffer horribly. If you get out, mercy will be shown to you. Well, as <laughs> they're beginning to see that this is a losing battle, some of the soldiers are like, uh, I, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Peace out. And <laughs> whether it's Jeremiah saying, whether I'm doing the will of the Lord or not, I don't know. I'm just getting out of here. Well, he wasn't doing terrible things like the soldiers or the, or the people that are coming to the king made it sound like. So the king, because he has no direction, says, fine, he's yours. Do with him what you will. He's in your power. So they put him, it, let him down in, into the cistern where there's no more water so that he can basically sit in the mud where he can't get out and he's going to starve to death. That way they're not intentionally killing him. He's just dying on his own because it would be bad to kill a prophet. So we're just going to lower him down with ropes just in case we don't break his neck by throwing him in. And we're just going to leave him there. And you see who the really weak ones are, you know, is this group. And then the king gives it all right back again. So then Abed Melech, the court official, goes and says, this is wrong. So King Zedekiah is like, okay, take three men, pull him out. So what, what's Jeremiah doing down there? He's in the mud like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> but I kind of knew it was coming, and I am the suffering servant, so I'm always suffering for the Lord. So here I am. Yes, I'm going to die down here, but at least it won't be by the swords of all these people as they bum rush the city. Oh, gosh, now I'm getting pulled out. Now what's going to happen? And it's just, it, Jeremiah is the bomb. But it shows the healthy masculinity versus the unhealthy masculinity that's been demasculated. Yeah. And there's two things that came to mind as you were sharing that. Um, one, this this truth of hey god's not really the one that destroyed this is destroying the city it's the way you all were living or what you were or weren't doing you know not helping each other whatever the case may be that's made this city weak right you're and you've got this the the other piece that's tied to this is you've got a weak leader mm-hmm. he can't he has no vision he doesn't know what to do he can't make a call. The minute somebody disagrees with him, he's like, okay, well, we'll do it. What you're, we'll do what you're saying. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I kind of collect or, or, or really get into reading leadership books and things like that. And, 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 you know, I, you know, all kinds of talks that they can kind of come to mind with this, but, you know, we've all been around leaders or coaches or whoever that they're a leader by title, but they can't, they can't make a decision. Right. And so they just kind of go with whatever someone's telling them. And this is an example of that. Um, And sometimes as a leader, you've got to make tough decisions and they may be unpopular, but it's what's best for the group. Right. Right. And, and it's, it's not what we're made for. We're not made for wishy-washy decision-making. And I, I wasn't kidding when I said God punishes that or allows it to be punished. If you don't want to read the old Testament, God, as much as the old New Testament God, as if they're two different. No, but I, that's what I think is going on, though. I I really like he's the pure goodness, right? Yeah. We're right. the ones that screw things up, right? So when we do, that's it, we're the ones that actually bring the punishment on. Right. He's he because it's like, look, I've made things perfectly good. So because you've screwed it up, it can't continue this way. So I'm going to allow it to be destroyed because you 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 
have ruined it. Right. And, it, and he says that to, to uh, I had looked ahead for the 21st week. I'm at the, <laughs> the reading goes to Isaiah. So it's I'm not ruining your readings for next week by telling you, you know what happened to King Zedekiah? He pulled him. Oh, he had Jeremiah pulled up and he says to Jeremiah, just speak to me. Just tell me. And Jeremiah is like, no, because if I tell you, you're going to kill me. If I don't kill you, you're just going to like leave me to the rest of these people who almost killed me before. So there's no point. And he says, no, I promise you, I won't kill you. So Jeremiah says, if you don't get out of the city, you and all of your family will die. And he decides not to leave the city because that would take too much courage. And he didn't want to look bad. So he stays. And do you know what happens to him? To King Zedekiah, he's forced, he's tied up and forced to watch his entire family be killed, all of his mm. sons to be killed in front of him. And once they're all killed, then his eyes are cut out so that one, he's blind, and two, the last thing he will ever see and remember are his sons being killed in front of him. And then he's kept imprisoned until the day of his death. And then you think about going back to the Gospels and you think about. Who was wishy-washy there? Oh, Pontius Pilate. He was wishy-washy. Yes. What happened to him? Yeah, the worms ate his gut from the inside out, and that didn't go well for him. You think about uh, Judas. He was kind of wishy-washy. He betrayed Jesus, and he tried to unbetray him at the last minute and say, no, 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 here, take back the 30 pieces of silver. And they said, no, too late. And then he ends up hanging himself and his guts spill out all over the place because his body sweat. I mean, it just doesn't go well when you're not being the masculine version that God has called you to be or the feminine version God's called you to be. Yeah. It goes back to us living boldly. Like if you're not living boldly, then you're living wishy-washy and that just isn't the way you're meant to live. So it's not going to go well. Yeah. We're not meant to live in our basements watching Netflix for 24 hours straight marathons no, no, every day. Sometimes it's so fun though, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. I don't know, 24 hours, that would be a little weird. I don't know how I went to that from wishy-washy. So it, <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I did. So I don't We're know. We're both that. in our basements making podcasts <laughs> now. So <laughs> we're redeeming it. That's right. No, I, I, I appreciate I, I, this, the, the insight that I was, I, I was struggling with the first Testament. And I think part of it was, cause I just, I seemed so focused on the gospel. Um, and so, which is fine. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not making any excuses. I just, you kind of caught, caught my attention. Um, so I'm going to go back to that real quick. Yeah. Let's go back. Because the second thing I wrote down, um, that I thought was really cool. And I don't know if I've picked up on this before and, and until I, I I've been studying, uh, more scripture over the last few years, um, which is kind of funny in my whole, my whole Christian journey. Uh, it's, it's been these, these, these pieces that have been added on, you, you know, one at a time is what's happened to me And a love for scripture. I mean, if I'm being honest, wasn't a big part of my conversion. It was the love of truth. Um, and scripture didn't come around until a couple of years ago, but he, he says this, do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's not it. I'm sorry. We'll get to that. You already said that. Um, it was, there's a baptism with which I must be baptized and how great is my anguish until it's accomplished. 
in one, he's clearly referring to his crucifixion. That's the baptism. And he, he gives a glimpse of his humanity is my anguish is great until it's accomplished because it's not that he's always said, Hey, I'm here to do my father's will and do it perfectly. So he never loses sight of that mission, but this, this humanity in him, it's like, but I, I have this great anguish because I know what's going to happen and how hard it's going to be. What an amazing message for today. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, all these mental health issues out there, anxiety through the roof. Like if I could just somehow just grab every young person that's kind of in a, you know, in a hole right now and just say, you know, listen to what Jesus is saying. He, he knows he's going to die in this horrific, most horrific way. And he's stressing out about it. You know, he's anguished over it. Um, And if, but if he can see his way through, to that mission, then, then you can see your way through whatever hole you're in. Right. And, and, um, you know, St. Paul kind of connects this by the way, is at this point that I'm making. So I'm going to do a little hip hopping because he says in, in the second reading, um, consider how he endured such opposition from sinners. And he's talking about there, like, Hey, you know, you, you haven't bled for your sins yet. And he paid the ultimate price. You know, it's just, it's that message. Like, remember, like if he can do this, he's the, the, the way and the truth, like, you know, you, you can get through whatever you're going through. So it's, it's again, another message to me that's, it's super to me, motivating and beautiful and, um, and real because even Jesus faced anguish. And such a, a powerful human motivation as well. Right, it yeah. can pull us down into the mud, like Jeremiah was stuck in the mud. We don't know if he was in anguish or not, but we can allow for ourselves to be pulled down into the mud because of the anguish, or motivated to get the hell out of that anguish and get on with living. And I, I agree with you. That's what got me kind of caught up there in that second reading. Um, it was just the, the the part right before that. So Hebrews twelve one through four. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, witnesses being holy ones, those who have already died in the faith, and at that point, a lot of them were martyrs, meaning they suffered terribly to be those witnesses, cloud, meaning they're up in heaven, they're not here on earth. Let us rid ourselves, and this is really subtle, I I love it, subtle, but it's there, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and let us persevere in running the race that lies before us. So yeah, obviously get rid of the sin, which is a lifelong journey, by the way, yeah. if you haven't figured that one out and every burden. So it wasn't the burden of sin, which sometimes is connected, but every burden, like what we were talking about to start off the podcast tonight and sin. So anything that is weighing you down or tying you up, it's got to be let go of. And not just let go of, he says, let us rid ourselves of it. Just cast it off. And you've got this cloud of witnesses. And I think about a stadium, you know, and (laughs) whether it be a basketball player or 
somebody who's running track or football player, this cloud of witnesses. Now, granted, they're not saints and martyrs, but you've got these people cheering you on. They're not saying, oh, look how you screwed up or you screwed up it again or here's another burden for you. No, those are holy witnesses. They're the holy ones who are cheering us on saying, get back up and go. Okay, you got caught up. Keep going. Keep going. Keep on that path. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Jesus is grabbing our attention in the gospel. And then I, I feel like in Hebrews – this is this prescription on how to, how to run the race, how, what we should, this is life, right? Like we, we're going to, we're going to be battling this sin and these challenges and all these things. Uh, but, but this is the prescription on how to, how, how to do it, you know, but the reality is it's going to be our entire life is this prescription. Right. So if you're Jeremiah in, in the cistern, you can't look down. There's nothing to look at, but the mud it gets pretty boring looking at the wall in front of you. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just stone or dirt wall. So all you have to do is look up and either hope for someone to pull you up, hope for the soldiers to come. So it's all over with hope for rain. If you're thirsty, but they were in a famine at that point and under siege, all that changes is the sky. You have sun, darkness, stars, light, clouds, sun. It's the only thing changing around him, but we know because Jeremiah is so holy, he's looking to the heavens keeping his eyes fixed on the Lord for deliverance. And here in second reading Hebrews, he says, as you're running this race, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And then, like you said, we have Jesus who's saying, I am in anguish until this thing is completed. So keep your eyes fixed on me so that when this all goes down, you're on the right side of it. Yeah, Absolutely. There was another thing that came out to me uh, on the second reading in that line about consider how he endured such opposition. And, and I envision, you know, this, this being written for people in the church in that time. Right. And I started equating it to believers now. And I took it as this, like, Hey, how many times do we as believers get so distracted by the injustices by non-believers or however you want to put it right mm -hmm. the world and what it does and and we sit in it and we complain about it and we growl about it and, and we just give all this time and energy to it but that's that's not what he's asking us to do that's not what's prescribed to us i mean yeah you, you, look we're human we got to acknowledge it but we go we just sit in it too long and we oh woe was me and i think you were saying this last week like hey or a couple weeks ago like Hey, God didn't pr promise everything was going to be fair. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is that old, that old, it's not fair. I think well, that was probably our, our second episode. Maybe you're saying this, right. Um, but that came across to me as, as believers, like we want to complain about all this stuff going on and, and that doesn't help us, you know? So it's, it's, it's very much almost more true for people who are believers. Yeah, you're thinking just like your namesake, St. Paul, because he yeah. says in there, consider how he endured such opposition from sinners. So if we're called to rid ourselves, cast off the sin, and yet we're still complaining about how hard it is for us, consider how he endured such opposition from his faithful followers who did nothing but complain all the time. Right. <laughs> he says, in order that you may not grow weary and lose heart so that your burdens don't take you down into the mud to the point where you can't get out. And again, his subtlety, 
in your struggle against sin, your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. So Jesus struggled against sin, but he also struggled against the opposition of the sinners. So they beat him and crucified him after torturing him. All you're doing is trying to fight sin. So quit your baby. <laughs> right. Because you haven't yet resisted to the point of shedding blood to get rid of your sins. Could be an yeah. emotional blood or psychological blood. We know that's that's real. Right. But I think you, what you were saying there, though, that bring it back to the beginning, you know, with the masculinity. Uh, when we're, we're in such a, a fragile place, I think, as a country right now, and it has, it's not like the U.S. has not faced fragile places before, you know, pretty much every single decade has seen that. We can only speak in decades or two centuries. We're a pretty young country when you look at everybody right. else, just 246 years old compared to the rest of the countries throughout the world. So we're pretty young and we've been through a lot as a country. But even, you know, this will date us a little bit, but the FBI raid on uh, Trump's Mar-a-Lago Mar estate, uh, we've never seen anything like that before in 246 years of our country. And that's not to take sides, Democrat, Republican, whatever. You can have your own reasons for why it was done or how just or unjust it was. But I don't think that, Jason, we're going to stop seeing this kind of back and forth. Right nonsense we're not going to see the end of it maybe not even in our lifetimes so how much more important it is for us to stay in the middle and preach the boldness of christ yeah preach christ in his boldness. No, i love that example because you're right like yeah wherever you stand on that that issue the the bigger problem is going to be wh whoever's response or retaliation on the other side that they're going to do something kind of and it is, it's going to go back and forth, back and forth. Cause the reality is our, many of our leaders are not centering their decision-making exactly. on Jesus Christ period. And I'm talking Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. It, it's very mm -hmm. clear. They're not centering their decision-making on that or trying to gain God's wisdom to make decisions for the people that they represent. And so you're just going to see this power back and forth power struggle over nonsense. And in the meantime, we get weaker, like our good friends in the Old Testament. Yeah, because we're just not listening. Right. Or if we right. are, we listen for a while until it gets too hard, but we haven't shed our blood yet. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we're talking about that shedding of the blood and... I had read uh, an article about um, not Car Cardinal Supic, uh, the exact opposite of Cardinal Supic, Cardinal Raymond Burke, which interestingly enough, they're both cardinals, right? Both quote unquote princes of the church, both hinges upon which the church rests. God help us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Supic uh, up in Chicago canceled all the public masses and confessions of all the priests of uh, a Latin mass um, group up there. And uh, what was it called Institute of the Christ, the King, Sovereign Priests. So this is a legitimate uh, religious order. And 
because he doesn't want the Latin mass. He just full on canceled all public masses and confessions that these mm-hmm. priests can offer in the diocese. Then you have on the other side, you know, Cardinal Burke, who's talking about exactly what we were talking about, you know, in these times of chaos and dissension and division and all the things happening with politics and all the things happening between countries throughout the world, nothing new under the sun, right? But he says that uh, times like the present, this is Cardinal Burke, are not unlike that of the chosen people before the fall of Jerusalem. Right. So in, in that in-between time, after they had crucified Christ, you've got all these wishy-washy leaders. What ends up happening in Jerusalem, it falls and falls mightily to the Roman Empire in 70 AD. Horrible stuff was done to the people. And they did horrible some, some things to themselves to escape, you know, through um, uh, suicide and other things. No need to go into that now. But he says that secular culture is an open and violent rebellion against the good order, which God has written into our nature, into the nature and above all the human heart. But he just keeps talking about how this is the poison of worldly thinking affecting the life of the church. And I thought, well, that's a very cardinal way to do it. I mean, just brilliant summarization of what's happening. The poison of worldly thinking affects the life of the church, drawing hearts away from Christ. All of that is in complete opposition to the gospel of Christ setting the world on fire, bringing division, but not the kind of division that we're necessarily seeing between Republicans and Democrats, the kind of division that we see between believers and those, I wouldn't even say non-believers because you were a non-believer, but you weren't a terrible person. I mean, you did bad things. I was a believer. (laughs) I did bad things. So we're human beings who did bad things and good things. Right. But for those to really be anti-God, anti-church, and what's the opposite of that? And that's in the response to Psalm. It's like a mirror reflection of Jeremiah in the pit. What could he have been saying to himself? He could have been saying, you know, I've waited, waited for the Lord. He stooped toward me. This is Psalm 40, verses 2, 3, 4, and 18, by the way. And over the ropes come and they pull him out and the Lord heard my cry. He drew me out of the pit of destruction, out of the mud of the swamp. Interesting. That word mud was used twice. Hmm. He set my feet upon a crag. I don't know what a crag is. I forgot to look that up. And he made my firm, firm my steps and he put a new song into my mouth. Think about praise and worship today. as we came home, a hymn to our God. I did not come home and play ACDC's Highway to Hell. <laughs> My wife was already playing Your Grace is Enough or something by Matt Marr. Many shall look on in awe and trust in the Lord. Though I'm afflicted and poor, yet the Lord thinks of me. You are my help and my deliverer, O Lord, my God. Hold not back. I mean... <laughs> Could there be any clear demonstration of what Cardinal Burke is saying? The opposite, you know, this poison of worldly thinking is like St. Paul said, keeping our eyes focused on Christ as we run this race. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing too, is it's not, we were talking about putting this podcast together. I'm like, Hey, you know, I, we start talking about things and there's no other way to do it. Sometimes like when we're saying things like, 
the poison of worldly thinking. It doesn't mean the world is bad. It means that's, it's basically saying, look, when we start taking things on our own and we make ourselves God, everything gets messed up because Mm -hmm. it's not the way it was designed to be. There's, we will never be able to do things better than God. But the, 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 the number one, I guess, fault of worldly thinking, if you could just pick one thing and, and define it, it's, it's that it's that we think at times, and we all are guilty of this, by the way, that we know better mm-hmm. and we don't think about what did God intend here? How did he intend for this to be? How did, what did he want me to do? Right. We think we know better. We think we can stop a pandemic from spreading across the world. <laughs> right. We think we're that smart. Um, <laughs> we think we can figure out solutions to really complex problems by legislating or not legislating or whatever. Like we're just, and we keep repeating these same, that same mistake <laughs> over and over again that we think yeah. we can do, we can do better. And that's what it is. That's if you want to sum up worldly thinking, that's what it is. It could be as small as me thinking I can skip mass or skip worshiping and think that I'm, I'm going to, that's going to be good for me and my family or whatever. I, it, it's just not. This is not how it's supposed to be, but as we're talking about God's truth, right. And the way he's intended the world to be. Um, so it just, I don't know. I can, every time I, I hear that, I'm like, it, it just it boi- always boils down to that, that statement of it. We think we can do better. Yeah, right. And, it, and it, oh, go ahead. Yeah, you're right. It's ultimately, it's not enough, mm-hmm. you know, for, for the person who says, well, uh, no, on Sundays, I, pray my runs are my prayer or right. i pray in nature oh, okay that's okay. Nice. so do i by yeah, the way yeah, and yeah. i go to church yeah. because there's more for me there than i can come walk with on my own i mean how worldly as you're saying i love trees i really do love trees i would have trees I he has his own woods trees. behind <laughs> his house that's named after him I've so named them in my pride <laughs> before my fall. Because you know, because you know better. <laughs> I, I do. I love trees. I love the woods. I love nature. I love praying in it. I love being in it. Yeah. And I'm humble enough to know that there's more. And so what Jason, I think, is saying there, and if you were right in front of me, you could smack me over the head. You can't do it on Zoom, but uh, if you, <laughs> I think what you're saying is. There's nothing wrong with saying worldly. There's nothing wrong right. with the world other than right. it's a fallen world, not in the way that God intended it, but there's still a lot of good in it. Absolutely. It's just not enough. Right. You know, if you say the, the poison of worldly thinking, you're just saying the poison of this thinking that is not enough. Because if you replace that with godly, godly thinking, well, that's definitely enough. It's more than right. enough. And we're constantly reminded in, in the readings this week, in the readings last week, you know, in the in the in the responsory psalm, like he, Everything is centered on what? On God, on the Lord. You know, in the second reading, it's, it's, hey, remember what he did, right? Mm-hmm. You think you've suffered, you're suffering. Remember how he suffered. Like it's always bringing us back to the center. And I have a feeling <laughs> as we keep looking at scripture to, to discern truth, that message that he is the center, that, hey, come back to that, that, it, you know, he's the only one that, that, can solve these problems for you. Um, it's going to keep coming up. 
I agree. Because <laughs> ultimately he is the eternal truth. Right. For just shit hey. better water looking for. That's right. That's right. And the reality of it is we don't know how. We don't know how in a lot of ways. Like all I that and that's what faith is. We don't know how he's going to solve it in many ways. Really. I mean, we know he's coming back, but and we know he's going to win. But we don't know how. And in some cases, maybe we're not meant to know exactly how that's going to play out. And we just have to be okay with knowing that he's going to make it right one way or the other. And and if we're not in a line with that, that could not be good for us potentially. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think I have a title for this episode already. I think, by the way, I think it's being wishy-washy ain't good. No, <laughs> Wishy washy will get you punished. That's right. <laughs> uh, not getting punished, but I do have a, a a call out to all of our listeners who might be readers, or those of you who are listeners who know people who are master readers. And I'm not just talking about the readers or lectors. I'm also talking about deacons and priests. And this is a prayer, not taking the Lord's name in vain. For God's sake, proclaim the readings and the gospel. I cannot take it anymore. <laughs> and the Lord was angry with them. So he struck them. No, that's not a happy thing to say. So read it the way it's written. You're proclaiming God's word. Don't just read it like you're reading a children's book. <laughs> we we had a chance, the privilege to go to mass together on Sunday. And so I nice. knew- Thanks for surprising us. <laughs> I love and we were, we were talking about we were talking about that afterwards and like i know he's bring, i know this is coming up in this week's episode because he was <laughs> he was fired up <laughs> not that i disagree because you're right they're, they're uh, yeah i'm with you i have come to set the earth on fire and how it was already blazing there's a baptism holy cow there's a dominican sister preaching that during a conference better than you're proclaiming it from the gospel and the church. Hey, which reminds me, if we have the ability, and maybe we will someday to have a poll question for the listeners. I already know what our first poll question would be is which accent is better. Chris's Irish (laughs) accent or his Southern Dominican sister accent. We'll have to find out later, but (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure that a lot of Southern people are like, dude, you ain't got nothing on the Southern accent. No, the Irish, awesome. I don't know if they're faithful enough to listen anymore. Hopefully they are. We should pray for the Irish people. That's right. They That's were right. A, a bastion of the church at one point and not so much anymore. So for anybody who might be listening in Ireland, we're praying for you. We love mm. you. We got you. And we're going to pray for a huge revival in that country. Yeah. Speed of prayer. You want to close out in prayer? I take it to Christ. How do you do, Jason? Uh, oh, even in Irish. <laughs> I'll, I'll let Saint you Patrick start. Patrick would be proud of you. He would. <laughs> I'm glad that you gave the listeners a, an, an ability to compare your accents in one episode. <laughs> that, that was you're caring for the listeners. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, you want to close? Uh, lead, lead, yeah, I, I'll start, and you, okay. you you finish it up. How's that? So, name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. God, once again, thanks uh, for giving us this opportunity to get together. Um, use these great gifts of technology to connect uh, in the middle of the week and, and talk about your word uh, and, and focus on on what it is that you want us to know. Focus on your truth. 
Um, it's just such an amazing, amazing gift. And we just thank you for that. We pray for everyone struggling with anxiety, with anguish. We pray for uh, people going through difficulty. We pray for um, good, positive reactions to when we are facing difficulty to give us the power to do that. And we just thank you for everything that you give us and, and hope that you bless uh, our time together and, and bless this podcast and uh, our families and, and yeah. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to go unspontaneous and really pray St. Patrick's breastplate prayer, at least part of it. Christ to shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me an abundance of reward. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the three, threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. If you like what you're hearing, please share it, subscribe, all those good things. Uh, we hope to keep coming to you week to week and, and kind of adding to this and, and continuing this journey. God bless everybody. God bless.